What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 136 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Mara Jacobson. She's a good friend from San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua, who I spent a lot of years crossing paths with, having conversations with, and just watching her really make a difference within the community that she resides in. She has done a really good job of bridging that gap between the locals and then the gringos or just expats who come down and want to make a difference or want to start a job or want to start a business and really helps them through that transitional period and also helps them understand that a lot of the locals see the Westerners as people who don't really follow through on the things that they say they're going to do. I think a lot of people go down to Nicaragua with these idealistic expectations of how they're going to make this tremendous difference in all difference in all these people's lives and then realize the environment is extremely difficult to navigate to live in and can really be discouraging for a lot of people and not what they expected so mar does a really good job of helping those who are coming down to really navigate the cultural norms and what's going to really impact the people in the most positive way to where that relationship between foreigners and locals is more sustainable and everyone is on the same page on on what to expect. Mara's got her hands in a lot of different things in San Juan del Sur and you can check them out in the show notes. She could use a lot of your support through donations or even if you want to come down volunteer. She is somebody who is a wealth of information if you want to reach out to her and find out more about what life would be like if you did want to go down to Nicaragua for a period of time, if you did want to make that move and start that new life in a whole new country. She is somebody with a wealth of knowledge and, again, just a staying power where she's not going anywhere. She loves this place. She loves its people, and she's really invested herself in this community and is committed to them and helping them as the community continues to grow and change and be subjected to a lot of tourism and and things that within their culture they're not very used to. So this is a super cool episode. Mara's doing some awesome things down there. So happy to catch up with her and hear what's been going on and and all the differences that she's making along with all the other really awesome people who have stuck it out over the years down in Nicaragua and fell in love with the place and its people. So if you're a first-time listener, please pull out your phone, hit that subscribe button. If you like this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a five-star rating on whatever podcast player you're listening to this on. You can usually do that by just clicking on Misfits and Rejects icon and then you just scroll down to the very bottom where it'll give you that option to rate and comment on this episode. Again, that really is helpful for me in the ratings on iTunes or all the podcast players. It just helps Misfits and Rejects get a lot more exposure. Also, I'd like to say a huge, huge thank you to two recent Patreon pledges from Tina and Richard. They pledge monthly donations that were very generous, and I couldn't be happier and more thankful to have that kind of support. So if you also would like to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do that on Patreon. It's a monthly donation, whatever you feel comfortable with. It's all appreciated. Nothing is expected. But again, huge thank you to Tina and Richard for their recent pledges to Misfits and Rejects. It's tremendously helpful for me just to keep this going. And with that said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Mara Jacobson. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. Right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I have my good friend Mara Jacobson on the line who has spent a lot of years in Nicaragua. We spent a lot of time together in Nicaragua over the years just talking about what life is like and the different opportunities that we have come up with in our own way to sustain life down there. And I thought it'd be cool to bring her on just to bring that perspective on how she's been maintaining it, sustaining it, and and living you know, what everyone perceives as the dream. So Mara, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chapin. 
It's a pleasure to have you, my friend. It's been a while since we've chatted, and I'm glad that we've finally been able to make this happen because I was trying to get you on the show when I was down in Nicaragua, what, like 10 months ago, and we could never connect, and I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm, uh, I'm happy to do it. It's because um, it's I am thoroughly employed, friend, thoroughly employed. <laughs> You're uh, going through what we all go through once a year in Nicaragua, which is Samana Santa. Can you describe to the audience what that is like? So, Semana Santa, which translates literally to mean Holy Week, which is Easter week, um, is when many Nicaraguans will take their once-a-year vacation. Um, because I live in San Juan del Sur, and we are on the beach and on the water, a lot of people will find a way to get down, will get down to the water. It's just, it's, it gets crowded, it gets loud, um, you know, and there's nothing, uh, and so it's just a little different. I mean, San Juan del Sur is is a fishing village which with which has a lot of tourism um but this is the year when we have more national tourism than anything else so it's large families with buses coming down um and it's just a lot of a lot of base a lot of base a lot of loudspeakers and i'm not as young as it used to be so you know yeah it used to be fun it was kind of like oh wow like this experience is kind of cool and, and very cultural and now it's like you described to me pre-show that you kind of just hide out in your house for a week. You obviously go out and do your thing, but it's it's not something that you want to partake in as much as we used to. Is that correct? Well, yeah. I mean, I I mean, I came here when I came here in two thousand two. I was, you know, I was twenty five years old, and the kind of party that you're going to go to is different. I mean, I'm forty four now, and the idea of, you know, going to seven or eight DJs. Um, it's not, it's not really on tap. Like there's some really good live music and there's some really interesting cultural activities in lots of part of the countries. There actually are different celebrations related to Easter. I mean, they do have, um, Lent and there are a lot of traditional foods. Um, and it is really nice because a lot of people get several days vacation, which you don't, which really doesn't happen that much, but it's just a matter of, of how much you want to participate in the party. Like I like to go like during the day and it's kind of nice. But after a while, it's just, um, you know, it's spring break. And, um, and, and it is one of the, the few things here that I do feel I've kind of aged out of. Yeah, because, I mean, you still are super involved with the community, the culture. I mean, you are essentially a fixer, uh, a maker of things happen for the community and those people who are in the community or people who come into the community and want to make changes. Is that correct? Well, community is an interesting thing here because I live the the town where I live. There actually there are a lot of um, a lot of foreigners. This is Nicaragua is a country that is invested um, heavily in tourism. Um, there's also agriculture, um, and I've had been lucky enough to participate and do a lot of development with um, sustainable um, sustainable tourism, but also sort of work with um, with a lot of different groups. Um, including artisans, including, um, you know, university groups in the state. And, and so now sort of the job profiles that I have, I work for a, a it's called San Juan del Sur Day School, and it's an international school um, here in town with a IB wilderness education format. And so I'm their cultural and community coordinator. And then I work for um, a place called Tree Casa, and I am their um, maker coordinator. And then I also run um, summer camp. So the reason, once again, the reason that we 10 months ago didn't get together was just a lot of um, employment. And, and, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I've just, I've been here for a lot of years. So it's knowing town, it's knowing the outside, outlying countryside, it's knowing older foreigners from a variety of um variety of countries, as well as knowing sort of on a national level, there are um, the people who are, who are making change and making art and making things manifest. It's not a huge group of people. And so it's kind of interesting because you'll find over the years that um, people's paths cross. And so if I can give you an example, um, like, so at Tricasa, we're doing some permaculture work. Um, and so we're trying to get um, some folks down to do a training. And they gave me the name of the guy who coordinates the training. And I knew his mother because his mother started the first internet company here. But then I knew him 
because he had a cho- he has a chocolate company. And so it's very weird that it's like, all right, the guy that I'm going to have to call and pretend I know something about soil, which I don't, um, is somebody who I know from these other sort of different points. Right. And I, I believe you're speaking out of John Wiss. Is that correct? Yes, I am, my friend. Yes, I am. But that proves the point. Like Nicaragua, Nicaragua is like, it's, it's like it's a country that's a small town. It's very unusual that way. That was the best example ever. <laughs> it was. Well done. And it, it brings me to my next question. Like, how many people do you think in 2004 when you got there, 2005 when I got there, expat-wise, was living throughout the country on the entirety? Oh. If you just could guesstimate throughout a number. Like, living there with, with a, a sense of, like, sort of permanence or, like, the people who were kind of, like, down for, like, a summer season? No, they were, like, permanent expats, like the Dale Daggers, the Wisses. You know, people that Ooh. were living full time in the I bet country. There, I bet there were truly, I bet there were truly like, I can't imagine that there were more than a thousand. Because when I, I really do think, because when I got my first cedula, like my first residency card, um, and I got mine in November, like my number was not high. Like I'm pretty, con- I'm pretty convinced that there were under a thousand foreigners living in the country. Interesting. So just tell, tell me like, that specifically. You get a number and you, you it's a sequential thing. They're like, oh, your number is such and such expat getting a residency. Yes. Yes. You get um, for that year, you get a number. And like my first number, like my, my first year, my number was like, like now, like now the numbers are, are high. Like there's a lot of us living here, but because it's like a sequence. So you have two. So you have like, um, but um, but th- that's if you apply for legal residency. Because like when I came down here, I came down to learn Spanish in 2002. When I knew that I wanted to come back and like participate in in sort of the language change and all the tourism and stuff, I came down ready to have legal residency. I didn't feel comfortable with the idea of um, of kind of earning earning illegally or or sort of taking advantage. Like because I felt like the circumstances time allowed me to do things legally, participate in the system in a way that felt right for me. That's beautiful. That's what, Yeah, I can totally understand that. You, so you, you just said you came down in 2002 to learn Spanish, went home to where's home originally? Well, at that point, I was in Portland, Oregon, but I grew up in Pennsylvania, North Carolina. Okay. Had you always had ambitions to live abroad or had you live abroad before you chose to move to Nicaragua? Well, I I was getting my master's degree, and my master's is actually in um, uh, in teaching English to speakers of other languages. So I actually, my plan at that point was to was to work was to work abroad. I actually, when I came down here, already sort of had plans to go and work in like a friend's parents' school in Japan. But Nicaragua apparently is what happens when you're making other plans. So. So I came down here just to learn Spanish because so many of my students spoke Spanish, um, like in the States. And in high school and college, I'd taken French, I'd taken Latin. I hadn't, Spanish, Spanish was for the dumb kids. Um, and so we didn't, I didn't take Spanish. But then I just had so many Spanish speakers. I also had Vietnamese and Russian speakers, but I'm not a particularly gifted language learner and was not going to be mastering those. So I came down here to do two months at what at that time was the only sort of language school in the country. And it had three settings, one in Leon, one in Granada and one in San Juan del Sur. And, um, you know, didn't feel, I came down here and did my Spanish and wound up teaching a little English, um, for, a, the mobile library project because there wasn't a lot of English offered. And then came back a second summer, um, and did an exchange in exchange for um, housing. And then by the time that I had been down here for my second summer, like made the decision that the things that I like to do, which was work with sort of reluctant students and um, was really a need because there was this huge emergent um, tourism that was starting, but there were, um, and the expectation was that, your waiters, your bartenders, your managers, everybody at, in these spaces um, would be able to speak English. But a lot of them, them did not, still don't have a lot of formal education. 
And like, that's the area that I most like to work with, with adults who don't, who don't have a lot of formal education. The, the English is motivated. The language learning is motivated by like things that they want in their life. It's not motivated sort of by an academic sense or by, or, or, or something more esoteric. It's quite literally, this is a job skill. I need to be successful. Can we talk about that? Because you use, use the term, what, reluct, is that a reluctant student? That's what you would describe as a luct, reluctant student? Well, a lot of my students are people who maybe, like my first, like my first group, of, group of students, like, you know, they were waiters and bartenders. Like the first year when, when Pelican Eyes was opening, or like they were boat captains. They, they may be 18, 19, 20, 30 years old. They all left school when they were like 12 or 13. These are not people who like want to be in a classroom. So the way that I try and teach, the way that I hope that I taught, um, has, has way more to do with understanding that these are fully formed, amazing adults and respecting um, that, they, um, that they are learning this out of a, out of a sort of out of a profession, out of a, out of a desire to be more of a professional but it's not professional when we think about professional in the States, like doctor, lawyer, dentist. I don't know why I picked dentist to be number three, but I did. Um, and so, and so like, it, like the, the approach is like, it's called a critical approach, like um, Paolo Fieri. And so the whole idea is that I am, I am truly understanding and respecting who my students are as holistic people in order to get them the language that they need to be successful in the ways that they want to be successful. And percentage-wise, like within that first group of students, how many do you think went on to be more or less fluent English speakers? Um, of a lot of them, all of, almost all of them, the ones who I still use it. They still use it. Um, they use it. They, they do real estate. They, one, of them owns his own, um, one of them owns his own rental company. Um, they are bartenders. They are, they work as drivers. They work in transportation. Like everybody who decided to take English, um, and the more seriously they took what I was talking about, um, the more successful you actually see them. Like the people who took most to heart what I what I said, are the ones who are the most successful and have the most English, um, because because I meant it. I mean, I still mean it. Like, it's not about learning English. It's about getting your butt bilingual. Cause I came here without a word of Spanish and I was really committed to my Spanish learning. And, um, and my Nicaraguan Spanish is fatal. I mean, I mean, I don't sound Nicaraguan, but, um, and my writing is embarrassing. Um, but I'm able to communicate appropriately in, in, in most contexts. Um, which is actually why I've had the opportunity to work in a lot of the contexts that I have, because it's a, it's a practice what you preach thing. Like I can talk about, you know, I know it's hard as an adult to learn a second language, but it's, you know, I mean, I used to speak French, I think, but now I have like 10 words and one is cheese because we never forget cheese um, and frog, but I have a um, fast, fairly accurate and well-accented Spanish that, that allows me to, to participate in, in, a, in a really deep level because it's kind of hard to talk about loving a culture, understanding a culture, wanting to know a people and not knowing or understanding their language. hundred percent. What kind of, I mean, aside from the immersion, the full immersion was, is there any tips you can give uh, the audience on, on the best way to go about learning language? I mean, are there any, or is it just full immersion? Um, I mean, I came, I came to San Juan when there were not a lot of foreigners. Like there was definitively a foreign enclave, but it was small. And the people who were successful spoke Spanish. Um, many were polyglots, like they spoke German and English and Spanish. Um, but it's about knowing yourself as a learner. Um, and it is, uh, yeah, really, it's about knowing yourself as a learner. I was taking four hours a day. Um, five days a week. I was also teaching two or three nights a week, in teaching English, which was helpful. I cared. I also, you know, if you're already, if you already have a partner, if you're already traveling with, with your, your partner, it kind of makes it harder. I lived with a family um, and, you know, sort of in my own way, had my bad freshman year here 
um, as we'll say, and I definitively um, learned a lot of, you know, I, I, I certainly, I learned from my teachers. My teachers were wonderful. I connected with them. I still know them well. Um, I, I was ready to participate in a deep way in being here in a way that was almost surprising. I mean, the culture shock, culture shock will get you. And, and if you don't cry at least once, at least on the inside, then you're not being, you're not recognizing that you're being impacted on. Um, but know yourself as a language learner, um, you know, be prepared to put in the work. You need to have the, the, the outside social motivation. Um, cause I wanted to be part of the conversation. Um, but then, then no, like most of us are not going to get the language just through osmosis. We're simply not. So a mix. What do you think it was that like really sunk into your skin to make you year after year love it so much to keep you there? So I have several times been ready to go. Every time that here has grown not so interesting, um, I, you know, a job in Panama, a master's program, a PhD, a move to somewhere else. Um, but coming here when I did, I think that here allowed me to discover a different me. Um, the me who came here was quite academic and maybe a little disconnected from, from a lot of important parts of my more visceral self. And here has allowed me to, to do that. Also, I was living in Portland where a bunch of like-minded people were doing very like-minded work. And like the big joke is that Nicaragua and San Juan particularly is when is the, the love of my life. Like, like, like I decided to come here when I didn't stay because participating in what was happening felt like a once in a lifetime opportunity and a privilege. And, and each and every time that I've been ready to go because it felt uninteresting or because I felt like I wasn't useful um, something would emerge that would make me feel like, all right, I, I understand that there aren't five of me or 10 of me or two of me here, but there's something about the very meanness of me that is valuable to hear. And there's something about here that is still teaching me. And, and that I think is the biggest thing is if you go understand that you can have all of these grandiose ideas about, I will be impacting, changing, doing this. And it's all pura mentira. It's all a lie. The biggest impact are those that we feel by having the privilege of, of living outside of country. That's what, that's what you need to be ready for and you need to understand, especially if you're used to like a U.S. or like a Northern European sort of like pace or like feeling like how we're going to make things happen. The biggest impact many times will not be things that we can, we can count. The many times the impacts will be when someone turns to you 10 years later and says, says, you know, you're the reason that I now do this because of this class, because of this moment, because when I watched you do this, um, you know, understanding that we're not going to do perfectly. We're, we're from different places and we're coming to a place where things are different and, you know, days will be frustrating. Um, you know, I, my big, it's been interesting for me because, because of the number of years that I've been here, many of my friends who were single, you know, now are married, now have children, have more um, traditional paths. Um, you know, I, I'm not married. I, I um, do not have children. And, and that's perfect because, you know, it takes a, takes a childless aunt to help raise a village. Um, and it allows me to participate differently. Um, and it allows me a great deal of freedom. And I feel like that's something that I've not in the sense of I can run away at any time, but the fact that my time is my own, even if I don't call it my own, even if I talk about it being obligated to work or obligated to commitment, it's my work. It's my commitment. So me being useful and being perceived as being someone who helps, who's able to do community projects, who's able to bring artists down like for this makers program who's able to create these connections for this for this day school with the with the local and national community um 
as well as work with some really interesting people in Managua and Granada and other places on projects, has to do with sort of like the ultimate sort of selfishness in terms of mi tiempo is mi tiempo. Like my time is my time and, and I can walk towards or walk away from anything I want to at any time. Um, and, but also recognizing that like your word is your bond way more than it ever would be in another context. Like some of what I do for the school, like I was trying to explain to some, some parents who are foreigners there because the school actually has, is, is 50% Nicaraguan, 50% foreign, but about 40% of the students are scholarship. And so one of the, this very nice woman, this very nice Canadian woman was talking to me about, she's like, I don't understand. I told the parents of this Nicaraguan child, they could come up anytime. Why do they keep on calling you? And I wasn't able to put it that eloquently, but I said to her, I'm like, because my ex-boyfriend from Matagalpa was the big man on, on this, thir- on this 13-year-old boy's dad's basketball team seven years ago. Like, like foreigners lie. Mara doesn't. And then she apologizes if, if she can't make something manifest. And so this woman took it as, well, what do you mean I lie? I'm like, I didn't say you lied. I said, you're a foreigner. She said, you're a foreigner. I said, yeah, but I feel, and I've only started to feel this. I'm like, I've become this different character, this different type of foreigner, this sort of permanent foreigner. Cause it's like, cause it's like 15 years is not a short period of time. And I've been, I mean, and I've been living here since, I mean, I mean, I mean, I've been known as 2002. I've taught so many people, you know, I've run around and drank with the other people, um, you know, but, but it was a really weird thing to say. And it felt kind of jerky coming out of my mouth, but I'm like, no, that is, that is what I mean. Like I, I am, I am entitled to, I have earned my own category. Like, like there's a few of us, we have earned our own category um, of, of kind of who we are. This is, like, like the town because of the, that I live in, like San Juan del Sur because of the tourism, like sometimes acts like it's a big city. It isn't. We just tend to have more variety of, of edibles, but, but, but it's a small, it's a fishing village. Like it's, it's 15,000 people. And so, you know, foreigners come and go and we make promises and we buy boats and we buy houses and we buy dogs, which is even sadder. You know, when we tell you we love you and, and sometimes we go away. And so it's way better to show people who you are and not tell them who you are. God, I love, I love this right now. Mar, like you're touching upon, well, yeah, you're touching upon really the heart of, I think, a, a, like a subculture of people, this expat culture where it's like there are individuals like we've seen, and I'm going to get to that question in a second, that come in a lot of times with a lot of money saying that they're here to help and they're here to do all this stuff. And then they either lose all their money because we didn't know they also had a drug habit or they can't handle it and they bail with, with all these like empty promises like you just described, you know, or you get, or they don't listen to anybody's advice. That's the other one. You get here and you know everything. And there are people who have been here for 10 years who try and quietly be like, you know, maybe that's not the best idea, but you are, you can't be wedded to your ideas or what you think a place is going to be like a place is not a place. Like a place is, is like, it's, it's an ever changing organism full of like human beings and an economy and, 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 and the outside economy and the inside economy. And if you come down here feeling set in stone with what you're going to do and I, what, wherever here is, I, I would be very surprised if you are successful. Like if you're like, I want to help, animals that you should probably be quiet and listen and see what that means where you are before you decide how you're going to do it. So maybe the thing that you're bringing, the, like the goal might be, might be something you feel in your heart, but I think it's the how that you need to be flexible with. Beautifully said. How many people, that arrived, you know, the 2004, 2005, or give a year on either side of that, um, are still around? Not so much. There's a few who are coming out of, like, Peace Corps who were around, like, maybe 2005, 2006, 2007. They're all selling real estate now, and they're good people. 
but oh, that's such a great. I love that one. That's every single Peace Corps person that I've met that came out of Peace Corps. Yeah, didn't really stick around to continue the mission because they realized it was more or less futile. It's futile. I think that it is. It is part of being a certain age. You know, I mean, I have friends who have. You know, I mean, they have. I mean, they have good lives. They have more stuff than I do. Um, but I mean, I mean, I got a solar house. I got two dogs, and I got a truck. And my truck, as of today, works. So I'm doing good. Like. You know, I mean, I mean, I have enough, and and that's kind of the measure of, of 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 of, and I'm still open to learning, um, because that's that's where I'm at. Like I'm 44 now, and I'm like, I feel like I'm just hitting a midlife crisis where I start learning how to take care of myself in order to better serve the people around me, and not like in like a weird like self-deprivation way, but like, you know, like finding balance and being healthy and, and understanding and accepting that I'm like, just like you start talking about the Samana Santa stuff. I'm like 44 year old, probably unless you are the really talented DJ slash promoter, why would I be at the same party that I would have been in at 25? If you're 25 was kind of drunken and a little bit riddled by other substances and excess. Like, why would you do that to yourself? I get sleepy. So it sounds like, you know, the glue that's kept you there is your, your ability to kind of infiltrate the mindset of the people and the culture and actually make changes, which then allowed you to feel sort of um, of use and like a sense of belonging, if you will. And then all the other stuff, like the hardships that you still endure on a daily where you talk about your truck's not, or your truck's working, that's a good day, like have kind of become just a part of your life that you've accepted rather than constantly trying to, to, I don't know, make the million dollars that we saw so many people come and, and lose on these. Nicaragua teaches you patience and flexibility, patience and flexibility. If you understand that you are supposed to be taught, that you are supposed to be impacted on, Whatever sort of like expat experience, like your 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 intended dad, whatever sort of whether you're talking about going to study abroad or building a business for X number of years, or you know, or wanting to explore a culture, or eat, love, pray, whatever, like like being open to the fact that that you are one small person entering a place full of people, full of things. You need to understand that you are to be impacted upon. You should try and have your impact not be small, but be respectful. You should try and have them be exuberant, but knowledgeable. Learn, learn a little bit about where you're going and, you know, be open to the fact that you're just going to learn more every day. Like, like I do not have Nicaraguan hardships. Like, like I have... Like, I built solar because electrical here is a pain in the butt, and I really have an almost adversarial feeling towards, towards the power company. Union mafioso. So I have solar. So I have solar. Guess what? The fact that my fans will never stop makes me so happy. And you know this, because you're like, it's the hottest night and the electricity goes out. Mine doesn't go out. Um, you know, I mean... I have passion fruit growing in my backyard. You know, I have tomatoes growing in my backyard. I've got some air orchids that we're going to see if they will grow on my magical tree, my Saba tree, my, which is a topop tree, which I believe is like sacred in many cultures. Um, like, like I have a truck. Like I don't have a bicycle, which would be awesome too. If that allowed me to do the things I want to do. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's not that I've infiltrated anything. It's that, it's that, I mean, I am so owned by here. Like I was at a, like the, the school that I'm at is, is, is just started doing baseball. And baseball is a huge part of Nicaraguan culture. Anywhere the U.S. military was, for people who don't know, if you really want to feel the impact, you know that the Marines were there if there's baseball there. Think about Japan. It's the same way in Nicaragua. Um, so like, 
So we went to, we had, so we were doing like a makeup game at, at this field, like out a little bit. And I was sitting and watching. I went to translate um, for somebody and then went to go sit in a patio um, a little bit back in a house. And so, you know, there's all sorts of, there's a bunch of other foreigners and there's we're parents of the kids and there's other Nicaraguans. So I went to go sit on this woman's porch and, and so I sit on the porch and this woman, grandma comes over and hugs me. I don't know who she is. Hugs me. And then they're making rosquilla and they're making like the, the corn cakes and stuff. And so I'm sitting there with this other woman who's new. She and her husband are moving and building here. And, and she's like, is this what happens when people sit in a porch? And I was like, no. And the woman's name is, is Sheba. I was like, no, she's, this is what happens when I sit on a porch. And, and it was a real weird thing to say, cause you don't want to sound like a jerk, but it's like, you know, she's like, she's like, you sit on a porch and like, like the woman brings us over coffee and like brings us like these fa- things that her family are like, are baking and like turn and, you know, and like, I know, you know, two of her grandchildren and like the adult who are adults, I guess the great grandma and like somebody else. And she's like, that's just really weird. But it's like the, um, it's like that, uh, I think it's like T.S. Eliot, like the, the love song of, of J. Alfred Prufrock, where he's like, we measure out like our, like our, like our lives in coffee spoons. And in that one, it's kind of sad. But when you think about the interactions between people, like, and we're talking about men and women through a lot of cultures, you know, you talk about, you know, sharing a beer with somebody, breaking bread with somebody, having a cup of coffee with someone, inviting someone to your table. Like life is made up of these small moments. And like, that is really what, what being, I mean, and you know this, like it's when somebody shares their fish with you. Like you were in Higante before Higante was the Higante that it is. Like, like those are the measures of, 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 of how we, we have impacted when, when the grandmas know you and they're happy to see you and you didn't even have to marry anybody in their family <laughs> and, and you're there. It's not about them being mine. It's about me being there. Yeah, man, man. I'm just so enthusiastic about what you're saying. It's, it's touching every single core and cell of my body. If you could define, I don't know, define, but describe yourself as an expat or the people that have kind of stuck it out as long as you have, how would you describe them? How would you define them? How could you like help the audience understand the, the archetype, the personality of these types of people? Everybody's different. That's the piece to remember. It depends on when you came here in your life and what you're looking for. Like there's definitively some retirees who have come here and found like a little piece of something that worked for them or a big piece of something. There are also people who came down here and improved their skill set. Um, and, but, but I think, I think that there's kind of, but I think there's also, um, like understanding that if you're going to go to a small place that you will be kind of, kind of examined and you need to be ready for some, for some self-examination as well. Like, I actually prefer to use the word, like, I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I guess I'm kind of an immigrant. Like expat is a weird kind of luxury word. Can you explain that? Why, why do you say that? Well, I think of like expats. Expats, I feel like somehow maybe you're skimming the surface of a place. Like it's like if you're touching it, like you're touching in or you're touching base. Or also maybe you're a little more enclaved. Or there's this book called, oh shoot, what's the name of the book? I think it's called Wild Thing, Wild Thing or Wild Thing. And it's about, maybe that's the name of the book? Something. And it's about this woman, this Italian woman who's an expat in, like, East Africa. And she talks about the incestuous nature of the expat in the sense of we've all lived in the same houses, bought the same cars, bought each other's businesses. And it's like you don't move beyond these enclaves versus I feel like people who have been truly successful here um, and are happy here, um, Several of the ones that come to mind first, they have married someone from here um, or their business partner is someone from here who's like an equal partner. Um, and those have been things um, that have made them happy and successful because it's not about you bringing yourself here and having it be you here. 
It's about you participating in here in a deeper way. And yeah, in many cases, it is about like financial success. There are definitively a lot of, there are well, not a lot, but like quite a few like dirt pimps. And they're, they're content in their dirt pimpery lives. Um, you call them dirt which is a pimps? term that they use. It's their word, not mine. <laughs> I love it. I never in rainy season, they're mud pimps. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but sometimes it's about, I mean, it, it's about, it's about connecting, but it's also understanding that connecting is not all, is not painless. Connecting is not always easy. And, in, and if you're going to really connect, you, you have to accept that you're going to be changed a little bit. Not, not saying that you should go native. That's weird. And if you don't have an identity when you get here, I worry for you. You're probably going to drink too much and you're probably going to follow bad advice. Um, like, you know, and if you're trying to force something here, also not a great, and, and when I say here, I don't just mean Nicaragua, but I think any place that you're going, any place where you're planning on leaving the place that is yours, that you are from, it should not be about, and this is my judgment, you know, there's a lot that I bring culturally that's awesome. But I'm not sure that it's my culture as like someone who grew up in the U.S. or my culture as a Jacobson from my house. Like, like I love to read. Like, I'm obsessed with reading. Like, that's something that I bring to the table. And I will bring it anywhere that I go. Um, you know, I, I like a good beverage. I will drink coffee or tea with almost anybody. I think you learn about people then. Um, you know, I, I am... I genuinely like, um, you know, kids, but don't care if they like me that much. So like, I'm not going to grab a two year old and make them cry, you know, which I find very weird when people want to hold like kids or make kids be held. I don't like that. Like one of my messages actually, and, and I, I actually, it, I actually worked with is like, is, is I would teach, like I would, I was teaching kids, English kids in the, in like in the compo in the, out in the countryside. And we would have groups come and visit us. And the, my, my kids knew you can shake hands, you can say hello, you can hug if you want to. You do not have to hug anybody. You do not have to touch anybody. Like teaching body autonomy, like when they were not being taught it, certainly were not being taught it when people are like trying to get a, like whatever picture they think they're going to get. And, you know, a lot of the kids want to hug. You know, a lot of times there's like, the, the people who are visiting are like these very enthusiastic, like student athletes who are very fun and very nice. So they want to hug and that's fine, but you never want to like, you always want to create little moments for people who may not have a lot of power yet to be empowered and to feel like I am in charge of my body, you know? And, and it's like, I think one of the important messages of, of living in a space where, where people live very close together and you see people who have and people who have, who have not or don't have yet or used to have, especially in a country where you've seen like governments change or like people who are my age, remember like armed conflict. Um, like, like there's a lot of, um, Oh my God. I, I don't even know if I got on a tangent. I don't know what I was going to say. Like there's a lot of good, good moments to, to recognize that, that, that being here is a privilege, like, and being, being invited into a country, especially like Nicaraguan people are, are extraordinarily warm and friendly. Um, and being, being perceived as interesting, being, and being given the benefit of the doubt that you are interesting and have something to contribute, which we actually get is an extraordinary, extraordinary extraordinarily privileged that most people don't get. And I really feel like, I mean, I feel like, like there's nothing that's challenged me here that hasn't been more than I can handle. You know, I mean, I feel like incredibly lucky and I understand that that's me personally because so many people's lives, I mean, you know, globally, like people don't have choices or people do have choices and they don't realize they have choices. Versus choosing to be an expat, choosing choosing to choose your country. Yeah, it's a huge freedom, huge freedom that we share. Out of out of the out of the immigrants, as you call them, expats, if you will, who 
live there, around, we're expat. Most are expats. Live, live around you. Like, who do you respect the most and why? Like, who do you look up to? Who do you admire? Who have you learned the most from and why? You can choose to use their name or not. It's up to you. Some of them are ones who have chosen to come here and retire and enjoy here for here. And the other ones that I really like are ones who have, um, who have, who have chosen to come here and start something and like turn it over and mold it with Nicaraguan. Like how many of those people have been successful? Like how many people have you seen do that? They didn't get like a lot of them. What are, how are we measuring success? Like one of the people who I admire most is this woman, Jean Ruger, who her name will be mentioned in, 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 in the context of like all the crap that went down with the, with Pelican eyes and, and, and everything. But she came here in her sixties, a retired nurse from, um, from St. Louis, fell in love with the country, realized that there were needs and then tried to start a small home foundation to support those needs. She originally did school uniforms and worked with a woman, Sonia Lillian, who's now passed jeans, 86, she'll be 87 in October. And she's still here. And, but, but Jean loved here for here and, and knows when to let go and when to let things happen. And, 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 and like now, because uniforms are not legally mandated, it's no longer uniforms they do. Um, it's now, um, it's now a scholarship, but it's to prevent brain drain. And so like, you know, I mean, that's amazing. This woman, um, Julie Spire, who opened this, international school like she came down here not because she wanted to have an international school that would exist in the state but because she loves here because she wanted to be in a space where she could surf where she could live a certain lifestyle and we're not talking about being billionaires and then create a healthy place to begin her family and she came in you know and 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 to to, to let other people be here. And then, you know, I mean, actually the, 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 the gentleman who, who owns Tree Casa, um, who's, who, who's only here part of the time, but who's, you know, from the States, he, um, you know, he felt some attachment to some land that nobody thought had any potential. Um, this place, Tree Casa, and like Papaya, like everybody who used to know the land, and now goes to it. It's like, are you kidding? And then the other people that I admire live in different parts of the country. Um, and they are doing very different and diverse things. Um, you know, it, it's like, it's like the more, the more, the, the more that you know yourself, the more that you sort of bring your best self, which is my favorite phrase. And I swear I want to trademark. Um, like if you bring your best self, and are present for what's going on around you. Like you can be in the center or be the seed or be the starter of something extraordinary. And these people are on a much larger scale than I would ever hope or suppose to be. But, but definitively these three, and it's about knowing why you're here. And, and especially like the Bruger foundation was linked to this hotel and the hotel did not function for a variety of reasons and was depending on a very good economy. And when, and when the, the bubble burst, like on a global economy, like 2008, like they did some examination of who are we and what are our values and what are we, what, who do we need to take care of? And I, and, you know, I think that constantly that, that reflexive and reflective practice in, in, in whoever you're doing, whatever you're doing. I mean, a lot of the people that I admire most are actually Nicaraguans who probably could go anywhere else in the world, but are really committed to their country. Yeah, they have a huge national pride, and there are a lot of amazing people doing some amazing things and really making positive changes. I think all the people you just mentioned, like it's really impressive that they they came down either with the vision or just found themselves falling in love with the country, kind of like you did, and then infiltrated in the way they did and, and sort of made changes within that have been sustainable and are successful. Um, because as, we but both- it's not, but it's not infiltrating, it's integrating. 
I think infiltrating is like kind of like a military word, which kind of freaks me out. Like, I, I think it's like it's, 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 it's integrating. It's participating. It's a better word. Infiltrate, right. I, infiltrate, I think, is like, isn't infiltrate like if I'm going to like go undercover? Sure. Yeah, it's maybe an inappropriate word. I like, I like integrating better. It's still, it's just always impressive to me that, um, because I feel like we all walk this razor's edge, you know, of um, maintaining integrity and positive character in an environment that in a lot of ways is, is I don't want to say always against us, but is, is, is difficult. It's, it's not always easy to stay positive, you know, when people are, um, it doesn't happen all the time, but I'm sure that you've had things stolen from your house or you've had unfortunate you know, circumstances where you're like, dude, this place is getting under my skin. I think I'm going to go dude, make native soon. <laughs> the, it's not true. It's, 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 I mean, I think that, like, that's very interesting. You said that because like, I think my idea of what it means to have integrity has shifted in a way that's like, I think that you begin to, and this may also be like as, maybe this is just as we age. I don't know. I haven't aged any place else. It's like as we decide what's important and what our priorities are and what feels right, what matters. So like that line of what is right for me, what is right for my neighbor, and what does it mean for someone to be friends versus what does it mean for somebody to be drinking buddy? You know, and I think there's also that overwhelming when you first go anywhere, that overwhelming desire to be like, to feel unique and different. And I think a lot of us got into trouble, had stuff stolen. Not all the time because I've had my car broken into twice and that sucks. But like stuff that got stolen, it's like, it's like I felt like part of the party and I felt like I was somehow in something magical and I was not, I was not paying any attention. Like instant best friend, not an awesome idea. You know, and like those are lessons. But it's like, how do we, how do you keep from them making you bitter? Like, that's the hard part. That's what I'm, yeah, implying. Because it's, yeah, I totally hear that. Oh, hell yeah. Especially where you guys are, because where, where you guys were. Because you guys, like, Higante was much more, like, you guys, like, the thing with Higante, where, when you guys were out there, it was like, you had your little enclave, like, your little group, and that's what was cool. But it was the only group there. And the thing is, it then allows a bunch of other groups who then, you know, maybe are imitating, maybe are doing something original. But, I mean, you know, I mean, you have people who then, I think, I think the, uh, a thing that's, that's hard is, is being honest when, when our goal is not to be do-gooders. Because my biggest beef is when people come and, and this is the thing that's hardest. And it's like, there is nothing wrong with coming and being like, look, I'm here to run fishing charters. I'm here to run a boutique. I'm here to run a restaurant. But it's when we come and we're pretending that we're doing it for some other reason, like other than for ourselves, like, the stuff that I do, I do because it's what I like to do and what I'm good at. Like, even the aggravation. I'm pretty sure that I'm, I'm fueled by being aggravated by the situations that I create. Like, there's nothing that brings me greater joy than complaining about how I'm exhausted because I've gotten 17 phone calls because I've decided to be the intermediary in a situation. Like, I have created this, but I will fix it. Like, you may call me the fixer, but I may also have made the notch. <laughs> Beautifully said. Um, um, but I think that's the thing is, it's like, if you can be honest about what is it you want, if it's like, you know what, it's like, my idea of what living comfortably is, is that. I want to be able to do this. I do not feel right in the States. I do not feel right in Germany. I feel right as the automatic outsider. Like, that's always been part of my shtick. Like, I'm like, I've always, like, wherever I was and wherever I lived, I was like, from being a kid, I was like, I'm a little different. Guess what? Be an expat. Be an immigrant. You are. 
like you have that automatically. And so I think maybe that's why, maybe that might be a commonality. But like, I mean, I've got a great family in the States. Like I have friends from every phase of my life who I keep in, in good and thank you technology that I love and I hate, like keep in good touch with. Like, you know, I miss people. You know, I miss places. I occasionally miss, miss unhealthy portions of food. Like, you know, I mean, you know, and certain climate. But, like, I, I think it becomes a, a, a finding out where you're supposed to be. But understanding it's not sitting on your butt. It's understanding that it's an active process. Of, of, of not being like, all right, here's me and like a chunk of money. People manage this for me. It's understanding that it's you and whoever is an extension of you will be creating or co-creating whatever it is you want in the place that you're going to. Like there's this really nice family like that bought a bar here just as the economy took another downturn and they're selling it again. It's been like a year. But like, you know, they had never run a bar before. And it's like the idea of, 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 you know, if you dream it, you can do it. Like get, get a little expert advice on stuff. Or if you're going to start, start small. And if you're going to be your own boss, you know, I mean, the, we've all heard the advice of being your own boss, the worst boss you'll ever have. And you're going to work like 28 hours a day. And it's a shame and it sucks. And you feel really bad because really nice people make really bad decisions. We all make bad decisions. You know? Um, you know, and we just hope that we make different bad decisions next time. True that. You know, with you being there for so long and, and really finding your footing and, and feeling like you're really integrated with the community, do you foresee yourself um, settling down with a local and making this like a, a rest of your life kind of thing? Are you still playing it kind of by ear and, and looking for other opportunities that might pop up in the surrounding countries or even overseas somewhere? I am always open to the idea that I am not going to, I am not in charge of me. Um, but me settling down is, I mean, I am settled down. I have a, I mean, I have two dogs and, and, and three and almost an acre of land. Like I got food growing. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, if a, if a partner happens, a partner happens. And if a partner doesn't, a partner doesn't. Um, there's not a lot of loneliness here. I actually, I mean, to be forthcoming, like almost always have been dating someone and it's almost always been someone who's a national, but you know, I mean, I mean, kind of, you know, I see a lot of friends my age, you know, dealing with sort of having made their marriage, the focus of who they are and their identity. And a lot of them are having some second thoughts and doing some shifting versus, I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, I met me and I mean, I'm a pain, but I mean, I'm stuck with me as we all are. So, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, this, this is my real life. If that's kind of the question. Um, and I think this is where, where I'll be. I'm hoping that the jobs that I've, the, the, the jobs that I've got right now are things that I am, are things that I will be able to grow. Um, and that will take me into retirement, um, whatever that means. Cause I mean, you know, I mean, I like the things I do. They're fun. I mean, they're challenging. I don't need a lot of downtime from them. I don't need to recharge my batteries from them. Like I move from one to the other and, and they complement each other. They're different sort of interactions. That's awesome. If, if, is there something that you'd like the audience to know about that you're doing? Like, do you have a business or do you have a blog or do you have a job or do you have a, a charity or NGO that you'd like the audience to know about that's close to your heart? I mean, you could talk about any of them or all of them. All right. Hey, I'll plug, I'll plug my life. I mean, if this is a place where you can plug your life. Let's do it. So, so San Juan del Sur day school, the, the day school where I work, where I'm the community and cultural coordinator. Once again, like 40% of the kids are scholarships and people make commitments and people don't keep them. Um, and if anybody would love, they have a, a GoFundMe 
Um, and I would love for people to, to just give to that. Um, if there's any, um, and actually they're looking for uh, a few uh, good teachers this year. They're expanding. So if there are any, uh, any people who would like an adventure, um, it's a wonderful school. It's a wonderful community. Um, it's a great place to be. So that's San Juan del Sur Day School. Um, if you're an artist, um, and I'm talking visual or performing or um, hospitality specialist, um, at Tree Casa, I do the Makers Project. And that's San Juan del Sur as well. And then I also have my own summer camp, San Juan del Sur Day Camp, that I'm just getting started. Um, and so those are the three things. But if you look for me, like my last name is J-A-C-O-B-S-O-H-N. And I think I pop up in all three of those things. Is there, um, is there a more direct way without them having to look for you? Is like um, their Facebook or a Insta feed or a email that you want to share now? Or should they just find you at those locations? I mean, finding me on Facebook is really easy. But you find me. Like, it's SJDS Day Camp Okay, are the camps. Perfect. Um, and then San Juan del Sur Day School. And then actually, I mean, like if people wanted to get in touch with me about the makers program, they can just look for me. Like my, my, I'm the only person with my name on Facebook. Perfect. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes. I'll put all those in the show notes. It'll be easy for people to find you and reach out. Like, like, but like if you look for my name, that's me. Um, and just be like, you have to write me a message cause I don't want to be friends. With <laughs> that's rad. If you could, if you could give anybody who's interested in kind of making that leap down to Nicaragua or anywhere in the world who kind of wants to start where you did and then move in the direction you went, could you give them any advice, some closing words? I think the closing words are kind of the same as my beginning words are, which are patience and flexibility. No, you're the person who's going to be impact that you're going to be impacted on more than you're impacting and find the time. Like in almost all cases, like don't abandon what you're doing. Don't abandon your life, you know, but, it, but it take the time. And, and when you go and, and have your, your couple of weeks or whatever to explore someplace, explore it, explore it a little more deeply and go ready to, to, to learn a little bit of the language. Because, because if you find yourself trusting too much, just expat you're also going to miss out on some of the richness. But if a place is really calling to you, find a way that feels comfortable for you to travel. If you are waiting for the love of your life to travel, stop. Like there's this really good, this, maybe I should start a blog. I know there's this magazine called Unearth Woman, Women, Woman, Women I really like. I'm going to read it like a billion times. Like they're really interesting. And I met one of them who came down on another kind of trip. Um, but like find the friends, like if you don't want to go alone, push somebody else to go with you. Don't wait for the ideal conditions to take the trip that you've always been dreaming. Of. Don't because like, like if you're waiting for the, well, I want to have like, like I only want to go to Paris for with, on my honeymoon or I want to be able to travel five stars, like make traveling a priority. Make, make experience a priority. Um, Nicaragua is certainly not the life that I had had planned that I intended for myself, but it's so much richer than, than anything that any of my younger selves would have given me. And, and part of that has been willing to, to take the leap of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and, 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 and learn the language. And I mean, remember, like I came down here for eight weeks of language learning. Like that was what I came down to do. And I, and I did it. I, you know, I found a school that had, you know, that made me comfortable, you know, go and do the, I'm going to go with a group, even though, you know, I really don't want to be a group traveler, but you know, I mean, if you're not ready to be a solo traveler, find a group that feels appropriately. It's amazing what's out there. You know, you know, I mean, now much more than when I was doing it, you know, turn on, turn to the interweb, my friend, turn, like, you know, it's like, get on the internet, talk to your friends. And if your friends aren't people who travel, but you feel the need to start finding travel friends. 
Beautifully said, Mara. Beautifully said. I can't thank you enough for taking the time and sharing with us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, my friend. Awesome, Mara. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It was so fun to catch up with you, and I'm just so impressed and inspired by your staying power and your commitment to San Juan del Sur, its community, and all the wonderful things you've done over the years down there, the 15 years you've been down there. You've had a huge, huge, tremendously positive impact on the place and its people. And folks, please check out what she's doing. The San Juan del Sur Day School could always use extra help through funding or just volunteer work so you can reach out tomorrow for that she also has uh summer camp san juan del sur day camp so you can check that out as well and then you know she works at tree casa and she does this marketers project or makers project sorry that is uh you know dear to her heart and she would really appreciate the support so thank you again for listening i really appreciate you joining me every week getting inspired by all these super cool stories and a big thank you to tina and richard again for their recent pledges through patreon if you also want to support misfits and rejects you can do that on patreon at misfits and rejects it's a monthly donation all is appreciated nothing is expected i love you all so very much i think you all are so very very beautiful please feel free to reach out at any time i'd love to hear from you i'd love to know where you're from what you're doing And I can't thank you enough for joining me today. And I'll see you next week. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new. To live a different lifestyle that... Maybe your whole life people were telling you it was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.